The Vintage Collection is a perfect bridge for Star Wars action figures. It unites the era of the original Kenner toys, the ones many of us grew up playing with and collecting, with today's modern Hasbro lines. When the Vintage Collection premiered in 2010, it was a blend of everything a Star Wars collector dreamed of having in an action figure. The sculpts were more lifelike than any previous figures, and they were hyper-articulated and fully posable. Vintage Collection figures were packaged with high-quality soft goods, cloaks, and capes, and came with a myriad of accessories that added to their authenticity. They were premium Star Wars figures at a premium price, and appealed to collectors who valued the attention to detail in a miniaturized galaxy. But one of the most important elements to the line, and what really defined it, was the card back. Hasbro returned to the iconic Kenner design of the 1970s and 80s, replicating the black base card with the silver racetrack interior accents, the film logo from which the figure originated, and the colored backing behind the figure, which matched the name pill. In many cases, Hasbro even used the original photo art from the Kenner release, as well as the white and light blue Kenner logo on the lower right of the card. The first iteration of the Vintage Collection ran for two years, producing more than a hundred carded figures, along with vehicles, playsets, and promotional releases. And after the line was essentially frozen in carbonite for six years, it thawed and returned in 2018 to a welcoming and ravenous fan base. And over the past two years, the figures and items from the Vintage Collection have become even more desirable. Their values have risen considerably, as collectors have developed a further appreciation for these pieces that harken back to the early years of Star Wars, yet offer a fresh and exciting take on characters both established and new. And while collectors hunt for pieces that are considered rare within the line, like the 2011 San Diego Comic-Con Death Star figure set or the Canadian VC-20 Yoda, There are collectors who look beyond Hasbro's production offerings for something even more special. They follow the trail back to the realm of pre-production pieces, the ones responsible for creating the action figures, vehicles, playsets, and packaging that have defined the three-and-three-quarter-inch Star Wars universe for more than a decade. Often these types of pieces are truly rare. They could be one of a handful that survived the creation process and somehow made their way out of the Hasbro offices or production facilities. Sometimes they're one of a kind, the only example that exists for that stage and for that character or figure. They are conceptual drawings and pitch pieces, hard copies and deco masters, figure molds and first shots, carded samples, alternate sculpts, proof sheets, proof cards, and unproduced items that never made it to retail. And at the heart of this world of prototypes is a collector who currently owns hundreds of these incredible vintage collection pieces. He is at once a hunter, an historian, a collector, and a Star Wars fan with a heart of gold. This is a conversation with Anthony Pagano about what it's like to be a vintage collection prototype collector. This is a look into the types of pre-production items that exist for the line, and what has surfaced over the years. This is another episode in the Collecting Prototype series. 
This is really an excuse to talk collecting modern Star Wars prototypes with my prototype mentor and dear friend, Anthony. And this is Star Wars Prototypes and Production. Anthony Pagano a few years ago, right around the time I started to become a serious collector of modern Star Wars prototypes. Anthony is the owner of the Facebook page Modern Star Wars Prototypes, and after poring over the photos within this in-depth and informative resource, I reached out to him. I was thrilled to find someone who had an obvious love for these pre-production Star Wars collectibles, and he couldn't have been more gracious, more welcoming, and more helpful. And for someone who is just beginning to explore the prototype galaxy, finding an Obi-Wan was a blessing. Anthony and I have had countless conversations about the various parts of the pre-production process over every line Hasbro has produced since 1995. And he has helped me to become a more knowledgeable and smarter collector. Anthony has one of the largest collections, if not the largest collection, of vintage collection prototypes in the world. He has a love for collecting that is not rooted in values or status. Instead, it is based upon Hasbro's creativity and construction of the line. Anthony has devoted countless hours to exploring and recording the history of the vintage collection, through spreadsheets tracking the different date stamps and security tracking codes, and has figured out where Hasbro has made some significant changes to its figures over the years. If you'd like to see some of the pieces that Anthony and I will likely discuss, you can find them in the book titled Star Wars, the Vintage Collection Archive Edition. The book was released this year through Blue Milk Publishing and was written by my friends Dave Myatt and Rich Allot. You can purchase the book online at bluemilk.shop. And stay tuned to the end of the episode to learn how you can see a different part of Anthony's vintage collection prototypes on a daily basis. And I'd like you to join me for a chat with Anthony about the vintage collection and collecting prototypes. You're among friends here, so please grab your favorite beverage and pull up a seat to the table. We'll be here for a while, so please make yourself at home. And now, let's learn more together about prototypes and the vintage collection.
Hi, Anthony. How are you doing today? Good, David. How's it going today? It's going pretty well. Uh, much better that you know we're we're able to sit down and have this conversation. I've been looking forward to this for a while. Yeah, um, likewise. So I wanted to start out by asking you: um, Do you remember your earliest Star Wars memory? My earliest Star Wars memory. Um, yeah, actually, the well, it, it's it's kind of vague still. I was I was young. Uh, but I remember watching the, uh, the, the original trilogy, uh, as a, as a young child, uh, probably a toddler. Um, I remember kind of being horrified by, uh, the, uh, the scene where Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru, uh, got, got roasted. <laughs> sure. But, uh, that, that, that memory stands out and, uh, but I, I always liked the, the films, um, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi were probably... Uh, some of my my favorite ones that I watched more than A New Hope, but I also liked A New Hope, of course. So. Was there anything that you could point to from any of those three films that really stood out to you as far as capturing your imagination as a child? Uh, probably, probably Darth Vader. I was I was always fascinated by Darth Vader and the the lightsabers. Um. Especially all the well, also the the ships and the, the different vehicles uh, and, and creatures in the in the movies. Those those were always really cool to me. How they how they made those and how how those looked in the films. So, uh, I I think my recollection of it kind of aligns with yours as well too. For me, it really was the lightsabers uh, that you know that always thrilled me. But then, and and I wonder if this is somewhat missing today, but. The, the creatures that they showed us, especially in something like the cantina, were so strange and so, in some ways, so realistic. They didn't have uh, American or even earthly accents. I mean, they were just, they were true creatures that you just, you looked at and you said, where did this thing come from? Exactly. Yeah. So, so you and I first met uh, through a conversation about collecting modern prototypes um, and, and that's really how we became friends, which was wonderful. Um, can you give us a, a brief recap of, of how you became a Star Wars prototype collector, how you transitioned from liking the films and the stories to collecting not only the production pieces, but those, those early prototypes? Well, I've, so I've always been a, a fan of the movies, like I said. And uh, I remember back in high school, a friend of mine, uh, mentioned to me hey uh i think he showed me a price guide for some vintage star wars figures and they were how, how much they were selling for <laughs> and that kind of attracted me to i was like wow these things are, are, are worth a lot of money sure and uh i've always liked collecting things i've got a knife collection and things like that so uh you know uh he kind of got me into collecting the modern stuff this was around uh i think it was like 1996 uh, early 97 time frame so I started with the uh, Power of the Force 2 line and bought a lot of those. Then I, I noticed they did variations on them. So I got into collecting the variations and those started getting, you know, t- too easy to find, I guess. I, I enjoyed the thrill of the hunt. So I, it, it wasn't, wasn't very uh, thrilling when I could just go to the store and, and pick them up pretty much any time I wanted to. So I, I started looking at uh, error figures, uh, missing paint applications and things like that, missed cards. And uh, then I started getting some 
uh, some foreign figures and things like that. And it just kind of progressed into trying to, to get things that are unique that not, not many people have, I guess. So, uh, the actual first prototype figure I, I picked up was one that I actually found at retail. Uh, it got mistakenly put into a, a, a case and, and, uh, sent to where I was going to college at the time at the, the Walmart there. And I, I went to the midnight madness that they had for the, the release of episode two. Uh, so the saga collection, uh, around 2002 and looked at the, uh, figures on the pegs. And there was a, an R2 D2 that had a, a unique insert in it that I thought was, thought was odd. So I picked it up, not even thinking about it at the time. And then, uh, realized it was on a super battle droid card back and that was the only one that had that insert and later found out that it was a, a pre-production piece so that kind of spurred my interest in it and I, I picked up started picking up a few things here and there after that so now about 20 years later um you have had uh an extensive knowledge of collecting prototypes and you have an incredible collection that really spans everything from the earliest Hasbro stuff um, up to, you know, pieces from today and some pieces that, you know, haven't been released in, in uh, retail outlets yet. Um, but, you know, and you focus on power of the force too, that that's a big part of your, your collecting, but another really big part uh, and a really exciting part is your love of the vintage collection. Um, so how did you transition from collecting prototypes in general and maybe certain earlier lines to focusing on the vintage collection? Well, my, my prototype collection was, uh, wasn't focused at all really, uh, in the, in the earlier years, uh, not until recently have I started focusing and trying to cut down on some of the other stuff that I have. I, I, one point, you know, it was just if I if I saw it and I liked it, I, I would buy it and add it to my collection. So uh, I've always liked the Power of the Force two line. Uh, I grew up collecting that line, so I, I love the sculpts in those figures. Even though a lot of people, you know, don't uh, don't necessarily like the 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 muscled up figure look. Um, it was one of the best times in collecting uh, for me. So I, I enjoy collecting those prototypes. So I started focusing in on on kind of those Power of the Force two figures, and then you know some of the I kept some of my Episode one stuff, uh, have some unreleased stuff from that, but I've I've gradually started letting some of that those pieces go to to make more room, because uh, actually I, I I ran out of room to <laughs> couldn't couldn't display anything, you know everything just sat in boxes. So we've I all started, hit that point. Uh, yeah, I started. Uh, letting some pieces go, letting, letting those go into other friends' collections and uh, places where I, I thought that they, you know, would, would have a better home. So back in uh, around, I guess, 2004, 2005, when they came out with the, uh, the vintage original trilogy collection, uh, I really liked the, the sculpts on those, those figures and picked up a few uh, first shots here and there for those and uh, started developing a, a pretty nice little run of those uh, and was able to actually pick up uh, most of, most of them all in first shot form, uh, a couple of paint samples. I think I'm only missing a, an R2D2 from having, having the whole VOTC line. Um, How I've many figures R2. were in that line that their first run? 
so there were 12 in that first run. Um, they, they did four for each of the, uh, the films. So they, they started out with a new hope and then did the empire strikes back and return of the Jedi. And at the time yeah. were, were first shots and other pre-production pieces, were they pretty common for prototype collectors or were there only a handful of, you know, from each film? Um, they were pretty common for some of the other lines, but the, the VOTC line I noticed kind of off the, you know, up right at the start that it they were, they were few and far between. Um, most of my, my VOTC ones came from, from one source at the, at the beginning. He, uh, he was a guy who lived in China and had his own website and he, he listed a few of them on there and I, I picked those up through him. And, uh, so they weren't really ever, they, ne- they never made it to, to, I guess, mass market to, to eBay type of thing where they would garner a lot of attention. So it was only people who were members of his website could, could view them. So I was, I was lucky to have picked those up. Um, and then uh, a couple of years later, there was a, a lady in China who, who started listing a few of them on, on eBay. And I picked up the, uh, the rest of the first shots. Those were mainly the uh, vintage uh, saga collection ones. So those were from I, 2006. Correct. So. But it's interesting. You and I had a conversation recently and I, you, you sort of aligned everything for me um, with this uh, revelation. And, and I, I didn't understand it until you had said it, but um, I had asked you what the earliest example of, you know, Kenner and Hasbro trying to do a, a retro design, you know, going back to those card backs from, from the Kenner years. Um, and I really, I, I thought it was, um, you know, the original trilogy collection from 2004, but you, you told me it's actually a lot earlier than that. Right. So in the, uh, the vintage collection archive edition book, the the blue milk book that recently came out, they kind of alluded to it that, uh, um, that Hasbro and Kenner had, had tried pitching the idea of having classic, uh, vintage style card backs in the past. Uh, but it, it always fell through. Um, one example, like you, uh, you mentioned in our conversation that we had, there's a, a company, uh, called Americraft that, uh, I think it was around 1996 Kenner and Hasbro, they, they outsourced to them, uh, a plan or an idea to, to create some, uh, some vintage style, uh, card backs. And there were, there were several that were created. There's only two figures that I know of, um, or two characters that I know of that they created the, the card backs for one was Darth Vader and the other was a Chewbacca. So the Chewbacca came on a star Wars card back. And the Darth Vader was a an a uh, Return of the Jedi card back, I believe. And uh, they had several different uh, different ideas. They had full color uh, color printed proofs, and then they had uh, some that had like a foil coating on it because that was kind of the uh, all the rage at the time with some of the comic uh, trading cards and things like that. And uh, they also embossed some of them. Uh, and I've actually got the embossing plate that they, uh, they used for the Chewbacca card backs. So. And what would the embossing plate do? 
So it would it would be put into a machine and it would press down onto the the card back and it would it would give it a, a raised uh, kind of a 3D effect uh, that you could feel on the card back in in certain areas, like the uh, the the Star Wars logo was was raised a little bit and then the racetrack around the 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 figure the racetrack that it's called you know for the vintage vintage figures that was raised a, a little bit as well. Uh, that's beautiful. And um, to my knowledge, they've never used anything like that, right? That was just an idea that, that came around in, in the 90s and then faded? Correct. I, I, I assume they, they pitched it to Lucasfilm and that was one of the uh, failed attempts that, where they tried to, to get it through. <laughs> one of many, sure. Um, yeah. Okay, so at this point then, you were collecting, you know, in, in, in the around that, that 2004, 2006 era, you were collecting pieces from the vintage, the original trilogy collection and the saga collection. Um, was there something in particular that appealed to you with these pieces and, and these, these pre-production pieces from those two lines? Or was it more like you were collecting, you know, random Star Wars prototypes or ones that, that just, you know, showed up and you were adding them to your, to your collection? Well, the the unique thing about those at the time, they had uh, a, a little bit more articulation than the the normal figures did, so that kind of uh, appealed to me. So the the sculpts were 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 a lot nicer, it seemed, uh, in my opinion. So I I guess that's why I kind of gravitated towards those, and they were you know from the the original trilogy figures the. I think the the Boba Fett was the first one that I actually picked up. It's a kind of a hybrid uh, paint sample with an unproduced paint scheme on a uh, first shot figure. And when you say unproduced paint scheme, what what's different about it where your average collector would be able to discern the the difference? So it's it's only partially painted, um, but the parts that are painted they they have a, a little bit different color than the production figures so like the wookie braids um they they have some some different colors in them black and, and brown i believe instead of the, the cream colored and brown and the actual figure like i said is is painted on a first shot figure so the the figure was cast in a a lighter gray uh plastic than the production figures were so it's pretty unique uh and the, the the greens on the helmet are a little bit different colored. What's one of the more interesting or cooler pieces that came out of that era um, that that really you know caught your attention and appealed to you? I would say probably aside from the the Boba Fett, I, I really like that that uh, hybrid paint sample one. I've also got a similar hybrid paint sample uh, first shot of the C three PO figure. Um, that's the only one that I've ever, uh, known to exist as well, uh, for the VOTC line. It's a, it's a cool milky white plastic and then his, his arms and his head are, are painted, uh, in a, a little bit different, uh, kind of paint scheme than the production figure. I could see why this would, would immediately appeal to you. Um, and as you said, the, the, the detail on them, uh, they were more realistic sculpts, um, it did really seem at that point that Hasbro had entered a new phase of their design uh, and that they really hit their stride with with some of the stuff and, and some of the characters that they were producing too, along with those 
those vintage style uh, card backs were incredible. Um, and speaking of those vintage style card backs, you have a piece that is one of my absolute favorite pieces that you picked up recently. Um, and to me, it, it really kind of highlights the, the essence of the, the vintage collection and, you know, the earliest um, design for the, the, uh, the card back. So if you could explain uh, what that wonderful piece is, I'd, I'd appreciate it. Sure. Uh, so I picked up from the, the original employee who, who, uh, whose idea it was to create this line. Uh, I was able to, to get the, the actual pitch piece, the, his, his concept, uh, sketch artwork that he, he drew out onto a sheet of paper, um, kind of a, a, a couple of, couple of rough sketches of what the card back would look like. And, uh, he, he wanted to pitch this idea to have the, the vintage, vintage style card backs, uh, again. So that was in 2002, actually during the saga line. And, uh, he wanted to call it the classic collection. So it was, they originally supposed to have, uh, an electronic feature. Uh, he named it the, the, the T I I N K tink, uh, chip. I, I believe it was supposed to be in each, each card back or it would attach to each card back and have a little try me button and it would play, uh, different different sound effects and music from the the movies so um i've got that that sketch where he he drew all this out and there's a, a list of figures uh proposed figures on the back that he explained to me he he wanted to go through and create the star wars card backs with the original 12 figures first and then start doing the empire strikes back card backs and return of the jedi after that and he would re-release some of the uh or Hasbro would re-release some of the figures uh, from the the Star Wars card backs, those original twelve, onto the the different Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi card backs. But each time they would release them, they would be produced in limited numbers, uh, almost making them like a chase kind of figure. So the uh, that's probably one of my one of my favorite, uh, I guess, early conceptual pieces. Uh, and then when I got that from him, he also threw in, he, uh, I guess, created some some slides uh, for that presentation to Lucasfilm and threw in uh, with that sheet of paper the, the original printouts of those slides that had the uh, the presentation artwork that they pitched to uh, the Hasbro on it, or to Lucasfilm on it. Has the presentation artwork ever popped up um, for sale? Uh, not to my knowledge, this is the, the only existing, uh, physical copies of it, uh, to my knowledge. He, he has the, the digital files and he actually supplied those to, uh, to the Blue Milk, uh, group so they could add those images into their, their, their awesome book that they, they just created. So. Absolutely. Um, and so for anyone who wants to see it, uh, you can actually see the, the page that Anthony owns in the the vintage collection uh, archive book, and uh, it's it's really incredible. I'm I'm amazed that it survived, you know, essentially 20 years, and uh, and that it resides in your collection. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm really blessed to have that uh, that piece in there. I mean, it's the the earliest earliest thing that you could possibly get for for the vintage line. You know, it's the it's his idea written out and sketched out on paper. 
what was your feeling? Cause you and I have both um, acquired um, early pieces like that. And we've, we've discussed it in the past, but what is your, what was your feeling uh, the day that that arrived and you realized that you were bringing it into your collection? Just <laughs> overwhelming joy, I guess, uh, <laughs> would probably be the, the, the best thing, you know, and just so, so, so blessed and so lucky to have that. Uh, and I mean, it's, it's found a, a great home in my collection. You know, I'd like to eventually get it framed. Uh, if I could ever figure out a way to, to frame it so that I could, uh, you know, flip it over every now and then to see the, the figure list on the back of the, the page or. Sure. And you, you share that online uh, with us because it, it, that was one of the things that was not in the book. You know, it was, um, the, the book only showed the front of the page and uh, you, you kindly shared the back of it in, in some of our collecting groups, which is really nice. Um, was, there, was there anything that you learned from that page that maybe you didn't know before? Um, well, I mean, a lot of it, especially the, the electronic, that T, T-I-N-K uh, electronic feature that they were wanting to, to add on to the, the card backs. So the... Uh, the employee who created it came from came from Tiger Electronics originally and went over to uh, to Hasbro. So he he liked to incorporate uh, electronic features into a lot of his his concepts and his designs that he would pitch towards uh, towards Hasbro for for things to create. And that makes sense. I mean, at the time too, um, electronics played a I think a bigger part, uh, or at least it seemed like designers wanted to incorporate. Uh, as much as they could, as far as electronics and extra features into their action figures and, and into the uh, the toys that they produced, um, I I do think that it probably kept the price points down by not including it, and at the same time, it allowed them to focus more on um, really adding you know um, realism and and quality to the figures that they produced for the original trilogy, trilogy collection and for the saga collection. Yeah, I agree. If, uh, if I could have one or the other, I would definitely choose the way that Hasbro went with the, uh, the added articulation and soft goods and just the, the realism of the, the figures, how, how they look. Sure. And, and these were also, I believe the last, this is from the, the archive book. Um, I believe these were the last figures to be um, back metalized. Yeah, I, I think you're right. The uh, they they attempted it on a few unproduced things uh, in in later lines, but uh, nothing that was ever released. So, if someone were looking to collect prototype pieces from those two lines today, the precursors to the vintage collection, do you see a lot out there for sale? Uh, not at all. <laughs> they, <laughs> The market is is pretty much dried up. Uh, I've I picked up what I what I was been able to get uh, early on, and haven't really picked up much uh, since then. Um, in the past uh, past two years, I've probably added five or six things, and most of those are, are carded samples and uh, kind of late stage mock ups uh, that I've picked up from a few former employees. So the, uh, the well is, is seems to have dried up, uh, the first shots and, and paint samples seem to, to really be scarce. 
Okay, Anthony. So it's it sounds like not only are sources not turning up stuff, or that um, that we're not we're not seeing new items come to market, but at the same time, uh, the ones that people own, it it sounds more like maybe they're holding on to them more now. Yeah, for sure. The uh, like you said, it just there's nothing that's that's coming out to the market uh, really these days. So. I know of maybe one or two hard copies, and those are locked up tight in collections. And like I said, there's you, you never see the first shots pop up anymore. So, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, and so then after the the Saga collection came out, then in 2010 we had the Vintage Collection, which most people now call the Vintage Collection 1.0, um, which was the the first release. And it spanned from 2010 to 2012. Um, do you remember where you first heard about the vintage collection? Um, probably online, because I, I think they originally announced it at Toy Fair. Uh, so I, I probably read it on, on Rebel Scum. Uh, it was one of the, the websites I used to frequent back in the day uh, there, sandtroopers.com. And what was your opinion of it when you heard about it? Um, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. I, I, I liked the direction that they were going in. Um, I, I've always been a fan of the, the vintage style card backs as well. So I'm a, a, a carded collector. Mostly I don't, I don't open any of my, my things. So I thought the, the figures would have a, you know, a nice, nice place on the wall, uh, or to, to display them if I, if I did pick up any of the production ones. So when Hasbro was first mentioning it, did you expect it to be a line similar to the original trilogy collection or the saga collection where there were a handful of releases for each film, or did you think it was going to stretch as long and as far as it did? Um, I think probably for the, when they first announced it at that toy fair, I thought that, uh, you know, it may run for a year kind of thing. And uh, they may have, um, a certain certain number of figures that they they'll they'll put out, but then uh, I think it was at Celebration uh, Celebration Five they announced that they were going to create. Uh, I, I'm not sure exactly how many figures each year, uh, but they said for the first year that they would create a a number of figures, and I think that number was something like forty different figures or something like that, uh, possibly more. And uh, okay. I thought, wow, this is this has got uh, you know got some staying power. Then yeah, that's an absolute game changer. And and hearing that number, did that make you want to collect the line even more, or were you still at this point still buying from different lines? Uh, I was still buying from different lines, but it it raised my interest in the line even even more. So. And as far as the production pieces, what was more exciting to you? The, the true Kenner vintage style card backs that they had, especially for figures that they had never done before, or was it more of the design of the figures themselves and the, and the detail, or was it the accessories and soft goods, goods cloaks and, and robes and, and other items that they came with? It's kind of a combination of all of it. Uh, the, like I said, I, I enjoy- I liked the the card back designs of the, the vintage style figures, 
So putting them on on those cards, and they they had all the the articulation. While I didn't open them, it still made the the figures look look pretty good in the in the packaging. And then they came with you know a decent number of accessories, and like you, you mentioned, the the soft goods and things like that. So they seemed to just kind of be the the, the total package. Uh, it was like getting the the VOTC and the the Vintage Saga lines uh, kind of combined as as one, you know, line, full line that they were actually producing. So, which I think was their, their, their intent. Where it basically has everything that you'd want, right? It has that design, it has the the detail and the, the realistic sculpts, and then it has, you know, a number of accessories like these figures have never come with in the, in the past. Right. And they, obviously the price point was going to be higher uh, to, to buy those, because it was going to cost more to create them, which is no no problem when it's a, you know, a, a really great figure like that for for each of the the characters. So, so from the time of the announcement, when did you pick up your first vintage collection prototype from that line? Um, I'm not sure what what month it was, but it was in 2010, early on. Um, I actually picked up. Uh, I was offered the the Dak uh figure Dak Ralter he was the uh gentleman who flew with Luke Skywalker in the snow speeder um during the Empire Strikes Back Yeah right so I picked up a uh a couple of first shots from from him uh, of that character and uh, around the same time I was also offered uh some of the uh the Dengar uh the VC number 1 figure some first shots for him and I, I really liked the, the sculpt on that one, so I scooped those up. At the time you picked those up, though, were they out at retail, or did you have them before the line really came out? I think it was around the same time that the line was coming out uh, that I picked these up. So that had to be really exciting. Yeah, it was it, it was cool. I was interested to see what else you know my my sources at the time would possibly be able to get. And were these available to a number of collectors at the time, or was this from a, a single source? Uh, these came from a single source. And to my knowledge, they, they really only dealt with me at the time. Um, these, these two figures at least uh, came from, came from that source. Uh, he was over in China and uh, would, would he email me when he, he ran across, uh, you know, any any prototypes so i picked up some of these from him but he also had some other stuff from clone wars and some of the other lines as well that i was picking up at the same time i think the question that many people would have at this point is how did you find or connect with a source like that especially you know one that is in china um that's probably you know dealing somewhat with the factories and, and where it was able to to get these these pieces out um, very generally, what, what would be the, the way of, of, uh, locating these people, especially before something like Facebook or social media really kicked in? Right. So I'm not sure exactly how I got in touch with him. Uh, I believe it is, you know, one of, one of two possible ways. Uh, I, I either listed something on eBay and, uh, and put in my, my description, you know, I'm always buying other prototypes. If you have anything, you know, reach out to me. 
kind of thing. And, uh, he possibly reached out to me that way or, uh, or he, he listed something on eBay and I, I purchased it from him and then later on asked him if he had anything else and, uh, was able to, to make contact with him that way. And we, we communicated back and forth through email and he would send me, send me pictures when he would find new things. And then Facebook came along and he, we, we found each other on Facebook and he would message me when he, he got new things on Facebook. That's fantastic. And was he able to ever um, connect you with other sources at the time as well? Or were you dealing strictly with him initially? It was really strictly with him initially. Um, and he, he actually started, he would, he would even post uh, some of the pictures of the items on my, on my Facebook wall. <laughs> and I would, I would have to scramble and, and take them down. <laughs> delete them off of there so so nobody else would would see them and possibly get, jump in and kind of kind of buy them from you know out from under my nose kind of thing so sure and that has but, to be nerve-wracking because that could happen at any moment and uh and then that basically is is unveiling a source to the rest of the people who either follow you or are friends with you or collect and have you on on their uh on their their friends list right and you know, it's not so much that I wanted to buy everything from him, and but he he did have some nice stuff, and some of it was unproduced. So I I, I kind of wanted to keep him, you know, in my in my pocket or whatever. I guess so. We we actually became got to become pretty good friends, and there were there were items that were available over here that he couldn't get over in China. So I actually picked up a few things for him, and would would send those you know over to China, and he would send me prototypes in return, kind of thing for a while there. I love hearing about those mutual relationships, you know, where, where uh, someone is able to help you acquire something for your collection. And then in, in return, over time, you're able to help them as well, too. Uh, we have a number of those types of relationships. Uh, and it, it's amazing. I mean, they, they transcend a distance and any sort of, you know, uh, state, country, continent. And, uh, and that, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, for sure. So after you started with that and you had items like the DAC and the Dengar and, and a few others, then how did you acquire your next prototypes for the vintage collection? Um, the, the next things probably came from, there was one, one kind of big find that I had for a lot of the, the first shots and paint samples that I have in my collection. Um, there was a, Again, going back to, to eBay, there was a, a seller on eBay over in China, and they they posted up uh, some kind of first shot uh, for one of the other lines. And I reached out to them, and I don't even know if it was uh, Star Wars. It may have been a G.I. Joe figure or something, and just just happened to ask, hey, do you have any Star Wars uh, pre-production items? And kind of made the connection that way and uh, got them to got them my email address, and we started emailing back and forth. And they eventually said that they they didn't want to bother selling on eBay, that they just wanted to sell directly to me, which which you know was great. Um, I didn't have have to worry about really any competition. That's a fantastic feeling um, when a person says that they just want to strictly deal with you, um, because you really then get a chance to you really get a chance to have access to the, the pieces that you really want, as you said, for your collection, especially with things that are unproduced. Right. So yeah, they, they had a lot of great stuff. Uh, 
not just for the uh, vintage collection line. I also picked up uh, probably I picked up a lot of uh, first shots. I would say enough to to cover about half of the uh, the Clone Wars line because I was collecting the Clone Wars first shots and stuff at the <laughs> the time as well. So you, uh, I think you have a several of those in your collection now that I, I picked up from the same source. So. Yes, and I'm I'm very thankful because <laughs> uh, you and I we, we've always joked about this, but um, I have most of the pieces that I have in my collection um, you had owned at some point or another. Uh, so it's <laughs> it's it's nice too that you know we've developed a friendship over the years, and the pieces that um, that I that I own either came from you or came essentially through you, um, where I, I purchased them at a later date, show them to you, and, and you said. I had that, or I was the one who, uh, who found that, which is really cool. Yeah. And it, they all pretty much led back to this, this one source. I mean, they were, they would send me an email and it would have, uh, a, a zip folder with probably a hundred, uh, to 150 different pictures of, of prototypes in it, uh, various first shots and paint samples. So I picked up at a time I was picking up like 60 or 70 first shots, <laughs> for from finished collection and the clone wars lines and that's really incredible when you think about it because nowadays that just doesn't happen um you know you and i joke around about the fact that there was a a prototype store on ebay for a decade you know and that went really largely unnoticed um and uh you know i know that you had picked up some pieces um from that seller as well um but but really, I mean, hearing you know, hearing you say you picked up in one shot, you know, 60, 70 um, first shots. Again, we as as modern collectors now, we just don't experience anything like that. Yeah, I I can't imagine, or I can't think of the the last time that a find like that had has happened. You know, with for me at least, um, anything with the the regulations and the security that they have in place now, this stuff just doesn't doesn't uh, get out of the factory like that, like it used to. So what were some of these pieces that you picked up around that time? Um, let's see. So the, most of the uh, non-production color first shots that I have uh, for the vintage collection line, um, most of those uh, came from that, that source at that time. So uh, things like the, the Boba Fett, uh, Django Fett, uh, some of my favorite ones. The, uh, and you, you said these were, these were non-production colors. So what would an example of like a Boba Fett or a Django Fett look like? So Django Fett, uh, he's cast in like a, a brownish orange color and the, the accessories are an orange color and his, his joints are, are orange, things like that. Uh, one of my favorite ones is a, there's a clear, uh, well, it's a sand trooper and he was cast with, with clear arms and legs. So it's really cool. You can see how the, all the ball joints and things like that fit together. Anthony, I've never seen anything like that before. And it, seeing it for the first time was absolutely incredible. Um, you know, because as, as a, a fellow, um, as a fellow enthusiast and someone who appreciates this stuff to be able to see how a figure is put together while it's together um, was amazing. So that that's it's one of the cooler first shots I've ever seen. Yeah, it's 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 one of my favorites for sure. <laughs> it sounds like a lot of what you were getting at the time, uh, they were first shots. 
were you getting any hard copies or samples or any other sort of uh, any other pre-production pieces at that time? Uh, yeah, at the same time, I was also getting uh, some of the sample carded figures and mock-ups. Um, those came from the 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 source that I got the the Dengar and the the DAC from originally. He he started emailing me with some carded things. That's actually how I got my first uh, uh, Yoda on the unproduced card back was was through him. Um, so a lot of a lot of carded samples came from him. But then uh, another source that uh, that you mentioned the uh, that had a, an eBay store for a while. I actually was talking with them before they started their eBay store. I I made connection with them. I would say probably around 2007 and had been buying from them for a few years. And uh, they didn't start their eBay store, I think, until around maybe 2012, 2013. Uh, so I had a had a pretty good run of, of buying things from them. They would send me emails with, with PDFs that had, uh, they were probably eight to 10 pages worth of PDFs, and each page probably had uh, 20 to, to 50 first shots and or, or carded samples and mock-ups uh, on each page. So it was, there's a lot of stuff coming from that source as well. And I was able to uh, talk with them and uh, tell them about hard copies and actually teach them what a hard copy was and how to identify one. And eventually they were able to, to uncover some hard copies. Yeah. And that source actually turned out to, to be one of the biggest sources uh, as far as the vintage collection, really, when you think about it, we not only saw first shots and hard copies at the time, but also, you know, there were 2d pieces that maybe we hadn't seen previously um, where they were, they were literal proof sheets, um, not unused card backs or, or proof cards, but actual proof sheets um, that were created for a lot of the, um, the vintage collection card backs. Right. That, that source had those uh, those those proof sheets, the color bar proof sheets. They 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 had some great stuff. Um, they actually did have some unused card backs, but not many of them. And that was before they started selling on eBay. Actually, I was able to pick up a few. So it must have been really nice during that time to not only have an appreciation for the vintage collection, but to be able to pick up so many different parts of the process um, of the pre-production process. And to to get bigger items like hard copies that you know really there are only a handful of in existence anyway, and then to have at least one turn up, um, do you uh, is there is there an example of a hard copy that you picked up that you were thrilled to have, uh, especially early on? Um, probably the the Dengar hard copy that I picked up. Uh, you know, it, it's it was the the VCO one figure he's he's got some uh some some great paint applications on him uh not not much paint loss or anything so it really survived and uh it's it's a great looking figure so that that kind of you know was the first uh first figure of the the vintage collection 1.0 line so it it holds a special special place in my heart i love that piece and i, I really i've developed an appreciation for it because of you um you know the, the Dengar being the first release, um, but also the the quality of that sculpt um, 
you know, to me, it's just, it seems like it's one of really the, the better figures to have come out during that time. Yeah, I think they, they really uh, hit it out of the park when they, they designed that one. I've got a, a Luke Bespin, uh, one of the uh, first Luke Bespin figures, uh, a hard copy of it, the VCO4. And it, it, it also is really, really cool and has a, has a pretty special place in my collection. And they, they had a green saber uh, or a green tinted lightsaber with it instead of the blue that was with the production. So I thought that was interesting. Was there a reason why they did that? Uh, not to my, I, I, if, if there is, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the reasoning was behind it. Uh, it may have just been a, an issue with not being able to get a good blue color resin, um, for the hard copy, but the, uh, the initial hard copy is it's got a green, green lightsaber. Okay. And from that eBay source that we've talked about, um, if you had to tally up the number of card backs, hard copies, first shots, proof sheets, you know, anything else around even like samples, anything around the vintage collection, what would be an estimate of the number of pieces that this seller had at one time or, or in total? Easily over a hundred. Um, and I mean, there's 115 figures in the, the, the VC one, 1.0, not including all the, the multi-packs and the, uh, the exclusive ones like the rocket firing Boba Fett and things like that, the mail aways. So they, they actually had the majority of the vintage collection line in hard copy form. Um, <laughs> wait, wait! Can you please say that again? Because that is an incredible sentence. Yeah the the the, the seller actually had most of the uh, the vintage collection line, the VC 1.0 line, in hard copy form. So it was it was quite uh, quite a number of items that they had, and they were amazing. Was there an early piece that you missed out on, uh, where somebody else got there first? Yeah, there were several of those, but. Uh, there was one that, that stands out in my mind. Um, one that I actually have been able to pick up uh, in the in the past couple of years. Uh, one was the, the Gamorrean Guard. And uh, it went to a friend of mine overseas. And after years of bugging him, I was able to, to eventually add it to my collection. But the, there's still one that I haven't been able to add yet. And it's the, the rocket-firing Boba Fett mail-away uh, figure. So I, I was... In talks with the seller uh, on on buying it, and had made an offer, and they accepted my offer on it uh, through through email, and they were going to, to cancel the auction, and somebody hit to buy it now on it and bought it. So, so while now, you were uh, dealing with the seller, the original seller of it, somebody else just went in and and bought it for the the buy it now price. Yeah. So. I wish I'd done that myself, but, uh, you know, it, it, it happens. So now was this around 2010, 2011? It was, uh, I would say probably around, uh, probably around 2011, 2012 actually. Okay. And when I started buying pieces from the seller, um, I was shocked at how many pieces had just sat and languished on eBay for, for literal years, I mean, or a decade actually. Um, so around this time, 2010 to 2012, when you were buying up these pieces, when when the seller had them uh, available, would they sit for a while? You know, because modern modern pieces were 
were, were thought of as, as much lesser and there was, there was much less interest in it than in, in a piece like that than say the vintage, uh, the, the original vintage collection, the, the Kenner collection. Um, so, you know, for, for some of these, these prices of pieces, you know, for a hard copy being, well, what was a hard copy at the time? As far as price wise? Yes. So hard copy at the time, when they were on eBay, they were selling around between four fifty and five fifty, I think. Okay, which seemed to be expensive, I think, for for many collectors at the time who didn't value them, or or maybe the prices just weren't there. Um, but did did they sit around for a while, or was something like the the Boba Fett um, did that just come up and disappear? You know, within the same day. Yeah, it it came up and disappeared within the the hour. Um, so, like I said, I, I jumped on it as soon as I saw it posted, and was was in quick talks with the, the seller, and uh, it's just somebody hit the button now before I could close the deal on it. So, um, you know that that happened with all the popular characters, uh, the Darth Vader's and things like that. They would get scooped up pretty quick. Uh, like I mentioned, the Gamorrean Guard, it, it sold in the first few minutes that it was you know put up online. Same thing with my Dengar. I, I bought it within the first couple of minutes of it being posted. But uh, some of the the lesser characters, you know, the uh, the the tertiary characters and things like that, they they sat around for for quite a while, as you said, you know, even upwards of years and, and you know, like a decade. Was there a piece that you might have initially passed on, or you know, had the opportunity to purchase and didn't? And then it disappeared, and, and you regret not purchasing it when you had the chance. Yeah, all the hard copies that I, I don't own that sold. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone so, in particular? Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. Uh, the the General Grievous was another one. I actually ended up picking up, picking him up uh, later on. Uh, the Law Gray, uh, I, I picked that one up as well. There's a a couple others that, uh, that, that I guess that I would would have liked to have, have picked up. Uh, drawing a blank right now, which which ones those are though. Okay, uh, during those those early years, uh, were there a number of unproduced items that turned up? You know, ones that uh, were either altered or just were never produced. And only exist in prototype form. The the same seller that had all the hard copies had a, a Nominor uh, hard copy that had an unproduced cloak. Uh, the the production figure had a soft goods cloak, and they originally sculpted it with a a uh, it was going to be a plastic cloak, and the that can be found on the the hard copy. And uh, there's also a first shot out there that has that same. Uh, plastic cloak. So I, I was unable to pick those up. I wish I had picked up that hard copy while I had the chance. Did you see a lot of unproduced stuff early on or was it more like after, you know, years went by, you started to see more and more unproduced pieces turning up? It's, it's been in the, the uh, past few years that some of the unproduced stuff has been uh, really turning up uh, that I've seen. So, uh, within the last five years, things like the, uh, 
the the probe droid and the escape or the the pod the probe droid pod uh and uh the hoth set with the uh the hoth rebel trooper and uh there's a uh, a death star gunner that i have that was unproduced sculpt with uh ball jointed elbows uh whereas the the produced figures uh for I think it was the uh, Saga line had uh, had swivel elbows, but they were going to create one for the vintage collection that would have ball-jointed ones. So things like that, uh, those have started coming, popping up. Uh, you know, I mean, there's there's only been uh, one or two examples of, of some of those things that have, have surfaced, though. And then when you were purchasing some of these items, were there any that maybe years later, after you'd, you'd owned them for a while, uh, that you came to a realization on them, whether they had a, an alternate sculpt or um, you know something that was that was different or noticeable or a revelation for the line? Yeah, there's there's been things like the uh, the log gray is his paint job. I knew the from the early production images that it was supposed to be painted differently than the production figures. Uh, when they came out, uh, the paint scheme was different on them. So I spent some time trying to, to find those. Uh, and, uh, I actually was able to pick up the hard copy that's got the different, different early paint scheme on it. Um, the, uh, the rebel fleet trooper, um, I, I initially didn't know that he had a different head sculpt and came with a a, a staff as well uh, in the original original Toy Fair photos that uh, that Hasbro when they had him on display uh, they had a different head sculpt on him and I came with a a staff but the production figure didn't didn't have those those things so so in 2012 Anthony the the vintage collection line was canceled by Hasbro. Uh, or it was at least uh, put on hold, I guess. Um, what was your reaction to that? I was sad to see it go. Um, uh, they they brought out a lot of really good figures in those those two years, you know, 115 different different figures. So um, it was, you know, like I said, sad sad to see it go. But uh, I guess they thought it was the the correct time to retire the line. And I'm, I'm glad to see that they brought it back. So, And they brought it back in 2018. So between 2012 and 2018, were you still able to collect prototypes from the line? I was, but not much was popping up anymore. Um, things had kind of dried up and uh, the sources overseas pretty much dried up overnight. Uh, during the uh, the 1.0 era, Hasbro implemented some new security uh, measures, um, like the, the tracking numbers. And as soon as they did that, my my sources over in China dried up. So then were you getting these items more from other collectors or ones that had turned up already and you were acquiring those? Or were you still able to, here and there, get newer pieces? Yeah, so as, as, as I could pick up... Uh, pick up some of the hard copies from the, the eBay seller. Uh, I, w- I was getting those here and there. And then I was picking up pieces, like you said, from other collectors 
that had maybe picked up some things from from that seller in the past. Um, nothing, nothing really in the in the way of first shots or, or paint samples. Uh, I take that back. Maybe maybe a handful of paint samples were showing up uh, here and there from from different people. Um, but the majority of things that I was getting uh, during that time and really up till today have been uh, carded samples and things like that. Early early carded samples, uh, and most of those are coming from uh, former U.S. employees now. So. So when you're looking at these early carded samples, there are some pieces that have very noticeable differences or um, are noted that they are uh, samples in a way, tracking numbers and, and items like that. Uh, and then there are ones that where it's it's a little more subtle. How do you determine what uh, a carded sample is as opposed to a, a regular production figure? So the, the, the carded samples are going to be created before the regular production figures, obviously, uh, since they're still part of the pre-production process. Um, as such, they, they, they have date stamps on the, on the back of each figure that tells exactly what day the, the figures are made on. So these, these carded samples, most of the time will have the date stamps on them. Uh, some of the early mock-ups and things, usually they typically don't have date stamps on them, but these carded samples do, and they'll be, uh, have been created before any of the production figures so that's a one way to to go about it also with the date stamps uh they typically end in a one which is is signi- signifies the uh the shift of the the factory shift where they when they were made so that would be first shift um so anything that has an eight the obviously there's no eighth shift so uh the, anything that has the eight as the last digit of the date stamp is pre-production. And of those those items that you were picking up, the carded samples, you know, in that time, do you have a favorite one or one that really stands out to you? Um, there's there's several that that really stand out. Uh, um, a favorite, uh, I could probably tell you a couple of favorites, but one of the the ones would be. Um, uh, one of the target three packs for the, the Boba Fett, uh, villain set, um, came with the Boba Fett, Snaggletooth and, uh, Sand Trooper. So I was able to actually pick up from a, a former employee, the, the actual piece that was on display at, uh, San Diego Comic-Con in 2012 and Celebration 6 in Orlando. Uh, so this was the piece that, that Hasbro had in their, their display cabinet, uh, everybody to see when they announce that that figure or that that three pack and you can tell that by the tracking number that's on the back of them it's it matches so it matches uh, the ones that you it matches the the tracking number that you saw from that time in the photos correct correct okay and uh, and you've you've displayed in case that one really nicely what was what was your choice for that so i i I wanted to put a, a photograph uh, from each of the events, the San Diego Comic-Con event and the celebration event. So I got a, a photograph of the the front of it at one of the events and then from behind at another event where it actually shows the tracking number and had it encased with with the uh, the three-pack. So I think that added a nice touch to it. It, it looks good on, on my, uh, my wall displayed up here. It really does. It looks great. And at the same time, too, I, I think you help 
to explain the history of the piece, you know, or the provenance when you do something like that. And it's also just a creative way to, uh, to display uh, a, a piece where people might have a little more difficulty telling the difference, you know, between that and a production figure um, or, or understanding the history of it too. Yeah, another one that I'd I'd mention would be uh, there's a, a Star Killer figure that has a, a he came with a, a a different I guess a set of accessories uh, a, a helmet and some armor and the production figure doesn't have him wearing that that's packaged separately in the bubble but the early carded sample has him wearing the armor and stuff so it it looks pretty cool in the package like that. I uh, you. You uh, you shared that picture with me recently, and it is noticeably different. And it's it's one of the the cooler pieces that I've seen, uh, especially as a, as a sample. So um, that was a great pickup. Was was that one that you had gotten in a lot? Did you get it from a source? How did you come across that one? That one came from, I believe, a uh, a former U.S. Hasbro employee. Um, that made the. Uh, made a connection with and purchased some, some other carded samples through, through them. I actually bought it as a, a production figure. That, that's how it was sold as a production figure. And I, I knew that it had the, the different, it had the tracking number on the back of it. And I, I noticed the, the different inner bubble and the different uh, way that the figure was packaged. So I was happy to add that one and it didn't cost a whole lot either. So. <laughs> that's always a blessing and a plus. Sure. I, uh, so we we mentioned earlier that the vintage collection line ended in 2012. Uh, version 2.0 of the vintage collection came back and re- returned uh, in 2018, and um, then you've been collecting uh, 1.0 stuff and 2.0 pieces. Is there a difference now as far as what's available and um, and and what you're finding out there for uh, version 2.0? Yeah, there's there's not really much that is has become available for the the version 2.0 stuff. The uh, employees seems to uh, they're they they hold on to the the items if they have them. Uh, I know some of the new security policies are they have to or they're supposed to shred all of the pre production items these days. So a lot of this stuff I, I assume is just destroyed to time uh, in their shredders, but, um, there's still some, some things that have, have gotten, gotten out. Uh, recently I've seen a couple of first shots, which gives me hope that more will, will surface in the future. Uh, but I mean, I've, I've picked up a couple of paint samples here and there for the 2.0 line. And I think one, one first shot and one carded sample. And that's really it. You know, I can count on one hand, the the number of items that I have for the, the 2.0 line and count on two hands, the number of items that have, I've seen available, you know, or I've seen anybody outside of Hasbro having. Which is really amazing because when you think about it, I mean, we're four years into the line. So it's so far version 2.0 has gone twice as long as version 1.0. Um, and, you know, Hasbro has released quite a bit of, of figures um, vehicles and play sets so far. And, you know, if you're talking about a handful of items that have surfaced, um, you know, again, you're right. Probably a lot of it is, has been destroyed, uh, which is a real shame. Um, 
do you do you have hope though that you'll be able to get some pieces eventually in the future? I do. Uh, I've got hope. Uh, always, always have to have hope. <laughs> and then, like I said, seeing that a couple of first shots have shown up recently, you know that uh, that gives me hope that more might uh, start popping up here and there. Sure, and especially you know these pieces in in non-production colors that are really exciting. Uh, it's nice to know that they do still exist and they are out there. Um, it just, Anthony, it's up to you to find them now. <laughs> yeah, uh, ever ever the hunt. <laughs> so always, right? We never stop. Yeah, always. Okay, so overall, then, as we've gone through this this journey of of your journey and uh, in, in collecting the vintage collection, what does collecting vintage collection prototypes mean to you? Yeah, so collecting vintage collection prototypes to to me, it it kind of harkens back like the the Power of the Force two line uh, prototypes from those days. I had a lot of uh, a lot of good times collecting back then, and same thing with the vintage collection. Um, during that time, made a lot of good friends in the in the hobby, uh, you know, prototype collectors and just other uh, other you know normal collectors as well. And uh, it it just kind of reminds me of the the times I had with with all of them, uh, getting to know them and doing things like going to celebration and going to San Diego Comic Con, uh, partying up with those 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 people. So sure. Uh, the the sculpts and everything like i said they you know i, I like the the figures themselves and the packaging it, they they look great when displayed so it's it's just uh, it brings a lot of a lot of joy i guess to uh when i when i think about those times one of the things that you mentioned at the very beginning of our conversation uh when you were talking about collecting power of the force 2 items you said that that was a really fun time for you um you know, just to be a collector and, and to be a Star Wars fan. And I think, and I, I don't know if I would have been able to relate to this uh, unless I was a collector myself, but there, there's a, we start collecting certain pieces or we get into certain lines or films and series. And then we also, in some way, as time goes by, we start to collect the items from that moment, you know, or from that era um, because it, it not only celebrates, say, Star Wars, but it also celebrates the the time that we were collectors as well, too. Do you do you feel that? Yeah, definitely. That's that's part of the big attraction to uh, to the Power of the Force Two line and the Vintage Collection line as well. And it's funny. I feel that with something like the Clone Wars, or even you know the the Black series of say 2015, around the time of the Force Awakens, where it's not just the items, but it's also what was happening at that time in the world of star Wars, what was happening in the, at that time in the world of collecting and, you know, just releases and the excitement of, of, um, you know, of, of all of that, uh, mixing together. So. Yeah, I agree. Totally. What would you like your legacy to be as a prototype collector? Um, and I asked that because you've put in so much time into it, um, you've helped to um, you've helped to highlight the vintage collection as well as the the pre-production aspect of it, but also to really inform other collectors and and to you know to open a door that maybe wasn't open before. Yeah, I mean that would probably be it. You know, I, I don't necessarily care that you know if I have the the largest vintage collection prototype 
you know, collection out there, uh, things like that. But I, I enjoy sh- sharing the the items and the knowledge with, with other other collectors. Uh, I like to 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 share those those, those things, uh, pictures of them. You know, if if anybody wants to, you know, come by and check them out in person, that they're welcome to do that too. But you know, uh, just being able to share pictures online and and seeing how uh, how people enjoy seeing these these items, you know, these they're they're rare items. It's not something that a lot of people get to get to see all the time. So I enjoy being able to share that with people in the uh, the, the the background behind the the items. Uh, sometimes there's cool stories with them, you know, sometimes getting to talk about the pre-production process with somebody who doesn't, you know, necessarily know a whole lot about it. It's, it's enjoyable. So there's something really exciting about talking to someone who has no understanding yet of the, of the, the world of prototypes, but wants to learn. And then it's just as exciting to talk to somebody who's been doing it for, for decades, you know, who really appreciates the minutia and, and has a full understanding. So um, and I know you you have been one of um, the most gracious collectors and and people, um, you know, where you've been willing to to really you know spend the time and to talk to anybody who has an interest in this stuff. And um, I think that means a lot, you know, because I I think um, it's very easy for people to get into their own heads and feel like oh, you know, I, th- this is a horrible time for me to start collecting this stuff, or I don't I don't know where to start with it, and um, I know when I approached you about getting into modern prototypes and, and, you know, I was really excited about it and looking for that, that, that opening, you know, and, and trying to find somebody who shared that same passion and excitement. Um, you welcomed me with open arms and that really, you know, changed my life. It changed the the course of collecting for me and, you know, kind of the, um, you and I have kind of set off on, on adventures, uh, <laughs> over the last few years together. So I just, I want to thank you so much for, for being that type of person, for being someone who is patient and willing to really talk to anybody and to make people feel that, um, you know, they, they can be a collector and that, you know, you're willing to help, which is, uh, which is immense. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm, I enjoy helping expand the hobby and expand people's knowledge of, of, of things like this in the, in the hobby, you know, these, these niche areas of, of prototypes and things. So I, it, it brings, brings joy to me to, to be able to help, you know, help others learn about these kinds of things. So, and, and then that's pick up a, a piece here and there in the process. <laughs> any, any chance, right. Any, any possibility, yeah. right. Um, yeah. it, it is nice to see though, um, you know, your, your, you have a presence online and then you have a presence in person. Um, and it really, you know, it's really the same. And, um, and that you're, you're not only willing to help people too, but you, you truly just love this stuff and you love discussing it and discussing the, the detail and minutia that collectors love. So it's just, it's always nice to have a collecting conversation with you. Yeah. Likewise. Um, I, and I wanted to ask you this earlier and I forgot. So just um, to give people an idea of, of what you're talking about with your collection, how many pieces, pre-production pieces, 2D and 3D, would you say you have for the entirety of the vintage collection? For the entirety of the vintage collection, the last count that I had was 537. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, and that ranges from, you know, samples and hard copies to proof sheets and everything else right yeah from you know 
VC 1.0, as well as the the vintage, the VOTC, VTSC stuff, and the the 2.0 stuff. And you've been doing something very special, and it's one of the reasons why I I wanted to do an episode with you now and have this conversation. Um, So you have been sharing uh, on a daily basis items from your collection. Um, Could you explain to us what you're doing and, and why? Yeah, so I started sharing uh, some of the the vintage collection stuff, starting with the the, the VC 1.0, uh, the, the 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 first one, Dengar, and I'm I'm going through and going you know, each each figure, you know, VC VC 01, VC 02, um, and I'm, I'm posting them on the Facebook website. Uh, yeah, so it's the the Facebook group Star Wars the Vintage Collection. Um, it's run by John Miko and a few other people. They've got 19,000 members on it. So I started posting uh, daily posts on there of uh, some of these prototypes. And in addition to the daily posts, you started to do something interesting for Thursdays. Yeah, I started a, a throwback Thursday because I, I started with uh, the Dengar VCO one uh, in my posts. Uh, I figured I'd go back and start doing some of the VOTC stuff. So Doing a throwback Thursday, I've, I've done that the past two Thursdays with the the, the pitch piece and then the presentation pieces that uh, that I've got from that uh, presentation to Lucasfilm for the to to get their blessing on uh, creating this 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 line. Awesome! It's been so exciting. Um, what's nice is you know you uh, you focus on one character figure and you share the items that you have from it. Um, and then you you give detailed notes under each photo as to what we're looking at. You know, you, you essentially you explain each piece, which is really uh, appreciated, and um, and it gives us a fuller sense of a what's out there, um, and and b you know what these items are and and what their significance is and importance is in the line and in the Star Wars history. Um, if anybody is looking to connect with you further, you know, or wants to just get, you know, get to know you collector to collector, uh, what's the best way they can do that? Um, probably through Facebook, just send me a, a friend request. I'll, I'll accept it. So, uh, my last name is, uh, Pagano P A G A N O first name's Anthony. So, and he doesn't bite folks. He's really, really nice, really friendly, really awesome. Uh, it is definitely worthwhile getting to know Anthony Pagano because he's just uh, he's just one of the nicest guys out there. Really, I mean, I'm talking about you in third person, but you're one of the nicest people uh, I've, I've ever met. And um, we've certainly, uh, I've had such a wonderful time getting to know you over these years. And uh, we, we've had some really exciting moments, you know, life moments and also, you know, these collecting ones that we just love and discuss all the time. So, Yeah, man. Right back at you. <laughs> Well, Anthony, thank you so much for taking us through uh, your collecting journey through the the vintage collection and what it's meant to you and, and you know, what you've learned from it and the, the types of pieces that you've acquired over the years. As we close, what are your thoughts on the vintage collection? What do you think that the vintage collection's legacy will be over the next decade or so? I think it, uh, well, it's it's going to be hard, but I think with the the upcoming generation of of collectors and everything, I think it might eventually surpass the the uh, the the original vintage collection. You know, um, the Kenner items. 
Yeah, the Kenner items. Uh, there, there seems to be a, you know, a, a huge following for this vintage collection line uh, by Hasbro. So, a lot of people love it. I, I've even seen you know vintage collectors getting into picking up stuff from from this line. So, um, I think it'll have at least the the same, uh, you know, the same spot in people's hearts as uh, the the classic Kenner stuff did. I think you could be right. Um, you know, it, it seems to have a lot of what made the Kenner pieces so special, uh, especially to our generation. Um, and I think the fact that they've just continued to expand it and to create, my gosh, we're, we're talking about hundreds of figures now, um, ones that have been produced, you know, over the years, but also ones that had never been previously produced. Um, so is there a figure that you'd like to see? And is there a HasLab project that you'd like Hasbro to produce? Uh, I'd like to see. I'd like to see what they're going to do with an Amana Man figure for the Vintage Collection line. I'd like to see that, and uh, you know, possibly some of the stuff that wasn't in the Kenner Kenner line, like the some more Cantina members. And uh, for HasLab, um, HasLab, I'd like to see a. Uh, an Imperial shuttle, a new Imperial shuttle. And of course the, uh, the ghost, uh, from the rebels, rebel series would be great too. The ghost is the correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, Hey, we wish right one day. I mean, right. people, people have been asking for the shuttle, uh, the ghost. Um, I think even like the, um, like an indoor play set as well too, with the Ewoks, which I think would be pretty neat. And, um, yeah, even a cantina, like a modular cantina would be nice too. I'd like to see that one day. That would be cool. For sure. <laughs> All right. Well, Anthony, I love you so much. And I thank you for, uh, for taking the time out to speak with me today. And uh, it's, been, it's been so much. These collector conversations are, are always a blessing, but it's, just, uh, it's been wonderful getting to know you over the years and, and chatting with you. And I have a feeling we have a few more episodes probably uh, coming up in the future. Yeah, man. It's been my pleasure too. So 